0: And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. Uh, I'm going to guess that that is not only an Arabic expression, but an Arabic tongue twister, because it's very hard for me to say. Uh, seashells,
1: seashells, by the racetrack.
0: Exactly. Um, that is Arabic for he has no power in honor wow. of our intrepid co-host, Rob Zachney, currently sitting at home in the dark without electricity, <laughs> unable to podcast. I am Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny?
1: I'm great. I often worry when we're recording podcasts or recording gameplay for the track walks or whatever it is that power will, will go off. It's like a constant. So especially certain times of the year in California, it yes. seems like a like a certainty more than a, something that might happen.
0: In the uh, the old giant bomb office, we we worked in a basement uh, that was below sea level because it was on oh, the hmm. the the um um uh the the water line there in Sausalito. And every every time it rained, we would lose power. So, oh no!
1: There was like a wire somewhere that was yeah.
0: <laughs> getting so tripped. A lot of battery backups. And the first time we were recording a quick look, or I think it may have been the Persona Four endurance run, oh, uh, no. and the power went out, and our equ- equipment stayed on. It was just absolute triumph.
1: Wow! Uh, that's some that's... boy. That's
0: some deep inside baseball there. For, yes,
1: that's that's for all the uh, very few people. Alt- All F1 uh, listeners who've been with us for a long time.
0: Yes. Uh, If you are new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. And if you are new to Formula One itself, we're all about accessibility here. We want you to be able to just hop in at any time. Um, We recommend listening to our preseason primer, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. Uh, so if you'd like to go back and listen to that, it's episode 137. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1. Every month, we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access to all of that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shift one or click the link in the show notes. What's going on this month in Patreon? on land danny <laughs> this
1: month is well as of this recording there's not very much left in this month um and uh, because of thanksgiving i sort of dropped the ball calendar wise uh, so the november uh, you know you're podcast. new to being an
0: american this holiday <laughs> snuck up on you we understand <laughs> (laughs)
1: it's uh yeah it's going to be a little bit late where it'll be the like second of december basically i think where this is going to drop but we're putting up our uh, review i guess or or, our analysis or commentary on the uh, michael fassbender road to le mans youtube series which is now in its third series we are going to take a look at the first series Uh, you can digest the entire first series in like less than an hour their videos are like six or seven or eight minutes long each um and i've been following it for years as long as um, many people have so we're going to Jump into that. Uh, it should be a fun way to introduce you to uh, Le Mans and all that sort of stuff. And of course, Michael Fassbender, famous Irish actor with the German <laughs> accent, Michael Fassbender. Um, <laughs> he we're does also have a ha-
0: really hard to play accent.
1: <laughs> he does. Yeah. He. Yeah. It's because he's like I think his I think his father is German and his mother is from like Cork and Cork in Cork is they have an awful strong accent in Cork. Drew. It's hard to understand somebody in Cork sometimes. I worked in a in a shop in Cork in uh, for a year. And there was a day called Farmer's Day. It's around this time of year, actually. It's when the farmers get their December uh, pay packet. They get it early because of some sort of... Because the places would be closed the day they usually would. And they go into town on this one day and they buy all their Christmas presents for all their family and friends. And we used to have to keep a notepad and pen beside the cash register because they'd come up and say, "Oh, I love it. Do you have that, um, you have that album by your man, uh, By your man, uh, the, the tenor? What's his name? And you'd be like, what? Sir, I, I don't know what you're saying. I'm from the same country as you. I'm so sorry. Please write it down on this piece of paper. Oh, no.
0: Um, uh, we, got a, uh, we got a message um, from... Uh, finding Uh-oh. it here. oh an angry
1: farmer in Cork? I'm in trouble.
0: Maybe, um, because someone was claiming that, uh, Fassbender is not, in fact, from Cork. Yeah, he's not. But we, but, but he's famous, and he's he grew from, up okay, there. Okay, here we go. Sarah Morris. I hate to tell you, lads, but Michael Fassbender <laughs> grew up in Killarney Co. <laughs> Kerry, not Cork.
1: Oh, sorry, he was in, he's in, oh, he's in Kerry. Oh, Jesus, i in mean, Kerry. The accent's even stronger, Drew. You don't have a fucking clue what they're saying down there. Kerry's a beautiful part of the country. I've never been there. I'm from Waterford, which is like a boring version of, of all those places.
0: But you get got such nice crystals.
1: Thank you very much, yeah. Although I think now they're made in Greece. I forget. But the factory, unfortunately, shut down. As is the way of progress. Uh, we also will be doing a, a wine tasting of Circuit Demon's incredible Daniel Ricardo wine, uh, which he sent us. Uh, we were just planning how to film that before this podcast started. We're throwing... The budget at it should be a <laughs> should be a, a very well produced beautiful review and that'll be up for all uh, patrons I think we'll see we'll, we'll it'll be at the around the end of the year or it might be like a season wrap up style thing uh, but of course thank you to all of our all of our uh, amazing title sponsors. The amount of people here who have been with us for the entire season is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and we have a couple of new ones here today as well. Jason Kelly, of course. Will Romph. Umberto Roca, Troy Stammer. Circuit Demon. Themselves. Max Voltar, Reagan. Snigs. Connor McManus, who I either have been leaving out or just re-upped. I can't remember, but Connor, it was good to see your name. <laughs> Sorry if I did forget to say it last week. Uh, Joel Roberts, Abraham Getchell, Jason Chadwick, Abdullah Althani, Bailey Foot, BPM, who is sitting on bad puns and means, I think, for the rest of the season, probably because I was too often forgetting to check what the new name was uh, drew stewart simon villeneuve david mule tractor share gnarly goat iron station studios erica siegel pyrites card castle and e-dog i-dog j-dog maybe that's three people that's a clever wow. way of getting getting all your buds in and uh, thank you all so much for your patronage uh, we'll have some new Patreon stuff next year because this is the final month of the Patreon, December, and then we're well. Like I shouldn't say that because we do actually do an off season stuff, but it's true. Um, it's always a little bit, a little bit quieter as as we need because this has been a long season, Drew, and we're yeah, not quite done yet.
0: You no, know, and it's uh, it's tough to to race this long. Tough to take news like this. Let's start with the downer, Danny.
1: Yeah. Um, so Frank Williams passed away over the weekend, um, and. If you're new to F1, perhaps you don't know who this gentleman is. Uh, if you're if you're relatively new to F1, perhaps you know him as the guy who was always kind of around the Williams garage. Who. Was a, a sort of common uh, feature. Uh, drivers talking to him. Uh, you know, it's always curious when you see a, a sort of an older man in a wheelchair around an F1 circuit. It sort of raises you know questions, perhaps in your in your head. Uh, but if you're a you know an F1 fan of a of a certain generation, especially the sort of you know, early 90s, uh, you know, 80s, um, then he was one of the geniuses of of the sport, especially uh, an English uh, person or or as a British person, um, you know, fairly dominant for a number of years with a team from that part of the world as well, oftentimes in cars made in that part of the world as well. Um, So, yeah, he passed away over the weekend um, and we wanted to just take a moment to sort of eulogize and, and talk a little bit about him um if, if that's all right true
0: yeah absolutely i mean you know the name williams is it's it's one of the 10 teams it's uh, and has uh a long and storied history and we have a history with it too we, we did the patreon uh episode on the the williams um uh documentary yeah 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 absolutely. Uh, and i have been a, a williams i guess you know as as much as i am a fan of any of the teams um i've i've had like a soft spot in my heart i think for williams um just because for a lot of the time that i've been watching they've been kind of the underdogs but i knew about their history so i always wanted to see them come back so yeah uh williams yeah, yeah exactly.
1: If you're a new fan, you probably see them as that weird team that never scores points. But like the the the, the oddness of it is that they were so dominant for such a long time and you know, seven different uh, drivers uh, become world champions in their cars over the years. Um but it started from very very humble beginnings. Uh, Frank was born in South Tyneside, it's around sort of Newcastle area up in the north of England uh, in April of 1942. Think about that. That's like that's like Pacific theatre times, right? Like, that's 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 absolutely wild. Um, his father served, actually, as an active uh, Royal Air Force officer, and his mother was a, a school teacher, But he was actually raised by his aunt and uncle for a large period of his young life um, because his parents' marriage broke down. Um, as such, maybe this is part of the reason why he actually attended uh, boarding school in a private school in Dumfries in Scotland, St. Joseph's College. And it's here that he fell in love with motorsport initially after a mate of his gave him a ride in a Jaguar uh, drophead coupe. So, you know... It's always good to have a friend with a nice car, I guess. (laughs) With a jag. Um, Yeah. Uh, He hitchhiked around the UK as a teenager to visit all of the racetracks and see as many races as he could. So obviously there was a deep love of racing from a very, very young age. Um, In the early 60s, 1963, at age 21, he was a mechanic for his friend and soon-to-be F1 driver, Pierce Courage. Uh, Williams founded Frank Williams Racing Cars, which is not necessarily the team we're talking about today, um, in 1966, which he self-funded by his work as a traveling grocery salesman. Oh, wow. So this wasn't a, you know, this wasn't necessarily somebody who was thrust into the world by rich parents or, you know, sort of did it as a hobby. This was definitely a passion uh, which drove every aspect of his life. Um Around that time as well, in 1967, he met his wife, Virginia Berry. Uh, They married in 74 and had two sons, Jonathan and Jamie, and a daughter, Claire, who is a uh, familiar face to anyone who's been watching f1 over the past couple of years and uh, by 1969 frank williams racing cars uh, entered its first f1 uh, with a brabham and courage driving it in that first season he finished uh, in second place twice uh, but tragedy struck the next year in 70 when pierce courage died at zandvoort it's a fairly famous uh, uh, crash that happened and it took his life. And the, the tragedy and bad news continued for Frank. Financial woes over the years um, made running the team a struggle. At one time, he was conducting business from a telephone booth when calls were getting cut short because he didn't have enough uh, money. Um, and in 1976, eventually, he went into partnership, but he basically sold um, the team to Walter Wolfe, who's a Canadian oil magnate. Uh, he ended up leaving the next season uh, in 1977. But in doing so, re- left with a friend, uh, Engineer Patrick Head, and the two of them started Williams Grand Prix Engineering, which became the team that we talk about today when we say Williams. And over the years, uh, over this period between the late 70s and the early 90s, this is where Williams's heyday really happened. In 1979, Clay Regazzoni. Driving a Williams won the British Grand Prix, which was a massive turning point for the team and special moment for Frank. In 1980, Alan Jones won the World Championship for Williams. Uh, the next year, they retained the Constructors Championships, and the next year, Keke Rosberg uh, was this, was their second World Champion. Um, in uh, March 1976, though everything changed. On a drive home from Paul Ricard during testing, he was on his way to the airport. Um, he had been scheduled to complete in a or compete rather in a in a half marathon in London the following day. Um, but tragedy tragedy struck again, where he crashed his car, and I th- believe it either rolled or flipped because the um, the roof collapsed in on him, crushing his neck incredibly uh, badly and by all rights he should have died either on the in the moment on the way to hospital or in care um but his wife virginia or ginny as she was known um organized his urgent repatriation to the royal london hospital where they had a you know fairly significant response unit for that type of thing um and they intubated him and did emergency sur- surgery and he somehow survived um Tragically, he would never get in the back of a car again because now he was a tetraplegic. He had limited or no movement in all four of his limbs. Uh, Quadriplegic is a term I think people don't, it's not as used as much, but it essentially means um, the same or a similar thing. well, his wife, uh, Ginny, Virginia, was a rock at his side, uh, you know, as is the case with a lot of sort of f- famous men. There's often um, a-, a heroic uh, woman or person by their side, and her experience of these days was uh, noted in a book she wrote, A Different Kind of Life, which um, I think has come up over the years as a, I think it came up also in that documentary we watched. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Where apparently it's a really fascinating insight into the, her experience during the heyday of the F1 team, um, her experience trying to keep the family together, trying to keep Frank in good spirits and, and give him a quality of life um, that he could enjoy for the rest of his, his, his time. Um, tetraplegics sort of traditionally do not tend to live particularly uh, long into their lives um or have a lesser chance perhaps of of a, of a longer life um, but uh she uh, for her part or for her major part um made sure that the family and 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 Frank uh, still stayed together and had a, had uh, good memories and good times and got, got him back basically into Williams so that he could still enjoy his passions uh tragically she died like 11 years ago she uh, had cancer uh, diagnosed in 2010 and it was actually, what was it, March of 2013, um, she passed away at the age of 66. Uh, Williams himself uh, went on to get a bunch of accolades uh, from both the English and the French, which I found quite funny. Uh, he was made a commander of the order of the British Army by Queen Elizabeth II in 1986 and then received a knighthood in 99, which is where the Sir comes from, uh, he was made a knight of the Legion of Honor by France as well for his work with Renault F1 engines. So, <laughs> uh, you know, loved on both sides of the Channel. Uh, but it's his uh, it's his work with Williams and the the many wins they had, the many drivers' champions uh, championships that they they they. Uh, got over the years that will uh, remain his legacy 16 world championships nine constructors and also drivers championships for seven different drivers alan jones in 1980 keke rosberg in 82 nelson piquet in 87 nigel mansell in 92 alan pross in 93 damon hill in 96 and jacques villeneuve in 1997 they achieved 313 podiums, won 114 races, and scored over 3,000 points. Uh, daughter Claire took over as deputy team principal in 2013, with him being the other deputy. Um, but Claire was basically in charge. Uh, but Frank remained a presence on the great threat this time. Um, and, you know, there's oftentimes interviews with him and conversations with drivers over the years. Um, Williams was clearly his life, both his family and, and his team. Uh, the Williams family stepped away from Formula One, as many of you know, in the mid-2020s after uh, selling to, uh, it was a Darrington Capital.
0: Doralton. Um,
1: Doralton, thank you. And Doralton. <laughs> it sounds like a made-up sort of um, uh, firm. And uh, a move that secured the future of the team, um, but also the owners sort of recognized the importance of the Williams name and have uh, retained it so far. Um Frank was, uh, sorry, Sir Frank Williams uh, was uh, admitted to hospital on the 26th of November this past weekend and passed away peacefully, surrounded by his family, on the morning of the 28th, at the age of 79, the oldest surviving tetraplegic in the world. He is survived by his really? three children, Jonathan, yeah, yeah, wow. the world. He made, yeah, did a lot of lot of people trying to give him a good life and and help him help him stick it out uh, he is survived by his three children jonathan jamie and claire may he rest in peace
0: wow well done danny um
1: it was an interesting person to look into his life because it's somebody who obviously i know a lot of that beforehand but just reading the context for it um seeing it all written down in one thing was you know intimidating um and just sad for the family to you know have Lost a uh, lost uh, lost mm, a type one type of father. You know a different, you know, a different type of kind of father, I guess, and then to obviously lose their mother who had done so much for the family um, beforehand. Um, uh, he's got three kids, I believe there's uh, grandkids in there as well, and obviously, he leaves behind a massive legacy. Um, I also have a couple of uh, tweets that I pulled, so, sort of different quotes from some of the drivers and sure. folks. Do you mind if I? Yeah, yeah just I'll, I'll, I've got three of them here. I'll read out uh, the first one's from Lewis Hamilton. So, Frank Williams was one of the kindest people I ever had the pleasure of meeting in this sport. What he achieved is something truly special until his last days i know he remained a racer and a fighter at heart his legacy will live on forever uh, george russell williams driver for now said today we say goodbye to the man who defined our team sir frank was a genuinely wonderful human being and i'll always remember the laughs we shared he was more than a boss he was a mentor and a friend to everybody who joined the williams racing family, and so many others that's one thing that came up quite a lot is that nobody was bigger than the team that there was a big sort of mentality of not having... Like, even at times where they had... You know, Ayrton Senna, obviously, was was in a Williams and tragically passed away in one as well. But um, there was that idea of, like, nobody was bigger than the team, which was a big... um, part of the philosophy there. Uh, and just to show the you know how much of a big name he was, not just in F1, but in global motorsport, this final uh, message from the one and only Mario Andretti. Each time I was with Frank Williams, I felt I was touching greatness. His mere presence changed the aura of the room. Wow, Frank Williams is here. His story of perseverance will live on as a testament to the power of self-belief and hard work. My condolences to his family. So,
0: yeah, wow. we were...
1: Lucky to have him for so long. It sounds like, uh, and uh, his his legacy isn't going away anytime soon. And hopefully, get a get some get some more horses in that thing, and they might be winning races. The, who knows the way, the way fortunes turn in Formula One? Maybe a championship. Maybe Nicholas Latifi will be the <laughs> next championship. Nicholas t v also had a lovely tweet, but his tweet had emojis in it, which I thought was a bit weird, but that's, that's kind of, that's kind of pure Nicholas Sattivi energy. Yeah, exactly. Very on brand for Nicholas maybe. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Well done. Um, yeah. Uh, legacy, I think is the, is the, the key word here. Um, it, it seems like Williams is one of those founding bricks in modern formula one. Um, that, uh, and i'm I'm very happy to see that it still the name still persists even though uh I guess Doralton owns it whole at this point right um but yeah it's it's you know coming in as i still kind of feel like a newbie to this um because the sport has been around since 1950 <laughs> yeah, me too uh, <laughs> and to have that thread extending back into into the history um is, is a I don't know it's like a, it's a good way to to feel like you're touching a little bit of it. So um, the fact that that Sir Frank is now gone um, makes it, uh, you know, makes that history just a little bit darker. So, um, yeah, thanks for the eulogy, Danny. Um, there are some funnier things just ahead yeah. on the news. Yeah, we, should we, we hit, we'll, hit the, we'll pull the handbrake, famous, uh-huh. famous F1 <laughs> in car, that's right. Thing,
1: yep. Uh, um, we'll pull the handbrake and do a quick one eighty for some some uh, social media japes. Um, uh, Cyril Abitaboul uh, who used to work in F1 I'm not sure what he's doing now, but <laughs> appara- apparently he's still hanging around because uh, there's a there's a, a picture on Daniel Ricardo on ESPN's actually. Uh, well, on their...
0: they stole it from ESPN steals. Oh, they did okay. from social was... media all the time, and they don't credit people, which is great. Well, don't follow the ESPN that's... Twitter account. How varied are they? Um ESPN's yeah, Twitter I, account. But it's from Daniel I, Ricardo's Instagram. Yeah, it's a picture of Cyril
1: getting a tattoo on, on what looks like the back of his right ankle. So his his rear right, as it were. Um as, 'cause he as he's lying down on the, <laughs> the, the tattoo bench. Uh so apparently the tattoo is happening. This is the tattoo where Daniel said if he got it was a podium, I think. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Cyril would get a tattoo. And obviously, Daniel has now since left that team. And also, Cyril has since left that team, <laughs> uh, Renault. But uh, yeah, um, apparently the tattoo is still happening. And then, another. Wait, did you mention m-
0: that Ricardo is just.
1: He's in the oh, picture. He's in
0: the background looking on. Just smiling. smiling.
1: <laughs> just like with his big, like, Cyril's getting it done. Um, uh, but there is apparently
0: a, a video coming on Wednesday. Uh, Terrific. The day this posts, so. Excellent. Look so out for that.
1: check out Dinah Ricardo's Twitter or whatever his YouTube channel or whatever he's doing, his Twitch, yeah. his OnlyFans page. Check it out. <laughs> um, and another social media japes: uh, Roman Grosjean celebrating a birthday. Um, <laughs> Not the one you're thinking of. No, uh, happy first birthday to the Phoenix. He says on Twitter, which is uh, which is the name that he has given himself. Uh, stop trying to make romance stop trying to make phoenix a thing grosjean has posted a uh a picture uh, some sort of i don't know how to explain it it's somewhere between a tattoo graphic that you pick out in like one of those little tattoo manuals where you're picking which one you want and like and like a skateboarding sticker yeah somewhere
0: in there or this like goes on the hood of a trans am
1: yeah, exactly. I saw some people have ripped it already and made an Etsy store uh, where you can buy shirts with it. But it's basically uh, the logo, the Phoenix. The Phoenix, of course, is the moniker that he's given himself, having survived that horrific crash and fireball at uh, in uh, uh, Bahrain, the second race in Bahrain last year, which I guess was this time last year. Um, uh, sorry, it was the first race? Maybe it was the first race in Bahrain, actually. Um uh, and yeah, he he gave he's given himself this moniker and he's he's been sort of like it's on his Twitter profile. Actually, it's like father, husband, IndyCar driver, hater, haters and fire resistant, a.k.a. the Phoenix. So he's really hammering home this Phoenix brand thing. And this I mean, picture. Like, it,
0: if I don't know if I survived that, I don't know what I would do. Right. I think it's I think it is commendable that he is embracing this thing and not being like, oh, never talk about that again. It was scary uh yeah but he's but just doing it in such like an overt <laughs> strange manner i don't know kudos to him but it is a little strange you should check out this
1: image of this uh what is basically a phoenix rising from the flames with a race car <laughs> <laughs> yes it's i a will lot. link it in the it's show notes yes thank you very much uh shout out to the phoenix we love you roman there's also a picture of him which uh, there there's a, an interview he did with Nico Rosberg recently over on that YouTube channel. And I think they have a similar type of energy actually, the two of them. They should get like they should do a podcast about F1 F one with Nicholas Latifi. I think that would be a good Just, just the most like, earnest <laughs> yeah, exactly. guys. Yeah. The cool dudes podcast, yeah. <laughs> uh
0: all right. A couple of quick hits here um ahead of the upcoming grand prix in saudi arabia uh remember hamilton's blitz through the field in brazil yeah so that was precipitated by a new engine uh you will recall he got an engine penalty for fitting a new engine into the car Um, yes i so i didn't really understand this um i guess on a on a uh, an engineering level but apparently they when they decide to replace an engine, I always just thought it was, well, it's had a number of miles on it. It's going to explode soon, which right. is not really how it works. Apparently, what happens is the engine just gets slower. They don't really know why, but you know maybe you know the uh, infinitesimal enlargening of pipes or whatever um and so that's why they fit new ones um and so they decided to take this engine penalty. Put a new one in, and it was much more powerful than the one he had been using. Uh, The last race, um, Lewis uh, did not race that engine again. Instead, he went back to his older one. But this week, he's put the new one back in. Because, as I'm sure Danny will um, explain, the (laughs) Jeddah street circuit will favor high horsepower cars um there are a lot of straights because in qatar there were a lot of turns so you didn't need to be going down straights very much so you weren't necessarily mm. aided by having that uh stronger engine um but in in Jeddah apparently you will so, uh, so believes mercedes so they are putting that engine back <laughs> in the car
1: straights is a straights is one way of saying it <laughs> okay I, <laughs> <laughs> I, am yeah. We'll, we'll get we'll get to Jeddah. Don't worry.
0: And I can't um, help Danny, having seen what he can do with that car, with that engine in Brazil, um, paired with his skill. Though he is eight points behind Verstappen, I I think he's got the advantage. Um, F1's Twitter account did a, a good breakdown of how Max can win the title in saudi arabia it, it's a little it feels to me just a little like when you're watching your favorite sports team and they're ahead by a lot but you're still scared yeah not that it's max like- is my favorite driver but like mm-hmm. it would be exciting if someone knew one i love lewis also but it would be it would you know it would be an upset right it yeah, feels a, a little like that what was that uh
1: Patriots Super Bowl comeback. Who was that again? I forget who. That that, that that just goes to show, I can't even remember who the other team was. I feel bad. Sorry to whoever was it was. Was it, was it the, the San Francisco 49ers? <laughs> no, I think it was the Saints. I forget who I I'm sorry. But yeah, that whole like, yes, when you're, the momentum perhaps is, which oddly enough, like Max has done an incredible job of, it's not like he's been like, his title has been crumbling or something. You know, no. it's not. It's just, it's a close battle and Max is just in front. But obviously, um, I think Red Bull have done an amazing job with Max of like like almost Alan Prosting their way into making sure that they still get points every week mm-hmm. in in tracks that don't favor them. Jeddah is such a toss up. We'll get to Jeddah, but like yeah, well, should I go, should we get to Jeddah right now, I guess?
0: Uh, well, let me just run down the the scenarios here. Max oh, can yeah. win the title in Saudi Arabia if he wins the race, gets fastest lap and Lewis is 6th. Wow. Or if he wins and Lewis is seventh, does not get the fastest lap, or if Max is second and gets the fastest lap and Lewis is tenth, or if Max is second and Lewis fails to score. Right. There it's you good, go. also a good picture accompanying this tweet of uh, him and Lewis it's... on a podium, like both smiling with their champagne, at, e- like smiling at each other. And I just, I can't help... With all the angry people on like there's uh, immediate, you know, uh, replies in this Twitter <coughs> post um, of angry people in the comments, either for or against either of the two drivers. And I just I, I think back whenever this happens, I think back to when I was working this is the second Giant Bomb mention of the show. I was working at <laughs> Giant Bomb and people would assu- they would uh, create rivalries between. Um, oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah personalities personalities
0: yeah. right yeah that like happens a lot i i gotta believe that these guys are like whatever he's he's my competitor they don't they do certainly do not hate each other with the vitriol that no. uh that people online do or no, or he's, would he's, love
1: to see them do you know you saw with max shooting and the press stuff after silverstone as well you know what i mean like it's just yeah he's just like why yeah. this is stupid why are you asking just, me this it's it's the it's the reduction. Like there can be, you can have a rival without it sending into some sort of like cartoon pageantry, which is what happens yes. generally when this stuff goes out into the mainstream. Is that we simplify stories, right? So like, oh, he crashed it to him. Yeah. He's doing this, and it's just like it's just boring and trite. Um, yes. Uh, but who knows? Well, I I think the character that everyone might hate after this weekend might be <laughs> the Jeddah corniche circuit, we'll see. corniche uh, yeah, is, is that what they're a, calling it? Is this a tiny, corniche?
0: a tiny vegetable?
1: I do, <laughs> corniche pasty, maybe I think it is. Is that is this based in Cornwall? I'm not sure. um Can I get into it? Yes, please. Jeddah, 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 Jeddah. So Jeddah is a weird thing, right? So Saudi Arabia's got a got a race coming, um and they got they're they have gonna have they're gonna have races here for a long time, uh, uh, but Jeddah is kind of one of these stopgap races. So I I'm not like I don't think this is necessarily going to say that all Saudi Arabia races are going to be bad but I am a little bit worried about Jeddah. Jeddah oh, so, we have
0: So you're saying we have like this circuit this year and I think next year and then they're correct. building a track. They're work I, they they are building a track or updating a track. I'm not sure exactly. Okay. It's so uh, this, but it this like, one is relatively like, temporary. I think like like Lasail is in Qatar.
1: Yeah, so Kidia Speed Park, I think is what it's called. I'm not sure. I think it might be already exist, but they're doing okay. it up. Well, or or the, rather, it's a speed park, and they're building an F1 track on it or something like that. But anyway, <clears throat> who knows? Dot, dot, dot. Um, But yes, Jeddah Circuit, uh, which, you know, as of recording is perhaps still being finished <laughs> uh-huh. based on all the, the social media we've seen. Uh, it's a bit of a sort of a, a stopgap. And also, that race next year is actually in March. It's It's not like... Late this time next year, the the 2022 one's pretty early, so so it's a very strange circle. I have never seen anything like this. It, it, it from the track top down, it almost looks something like a Monaco or something, but it is, it It looks like a hairpin. Yeah, it's one of the strangest. It has multiple things about it that are incredibly weird and. My concern is that there might be hardly any overtaking, and also there might be a lot of safety cars <laughs> or a lot of crashes we'll we'll have to see so let's go through the numbers it's a fifty lap race um because it's one of the it is the longest street circuit and also the fastest street circuit um it's uh six point one kilometers uh there are twenty seven corners, sixteen left eleven right it that's a, a counter- lot of corners. Yeah, it's a counterclockwise circuit. It's a lot of corners. But some of these are barely corners. And this is where it gets really strange. So there are straights. I'm doing bunny ears here. That consist of multiple like winding left and right sort of like turning corners. A lot of taking this track in like 6th and 7th gear. Um, So that's one thing. It's It's also not the widest. It also doesn't have much runoff. It's a bit like Sochi that way. It's actually one part of the track which has water on both sides, which seems like I just hope no one flips over anything. Yeah, that's frightening. I mean, Monaco, there's water right there too, but they have, you know, who knows? But just seeing that kind of freaked me out a bit. Um, uh, And yeah, and and let me get into, I guess, some of the like particulars. So turn one and two is a really tight hairpin. The distance from the... Uh, from the checkered flag from the start line to that isn't particularly long, so I I don't know. I, there might be an issue just with like rough starts out here as well. I don't know. Maybe I'm not. I'm also not sure how close to the dunes they are. So I'm not sure what what the sand slash wind. I mean, new issue tracks might. are slippery. That's the other, that's the other thing is that we do the surface. Who knows? The Surface mm-hmm. is a massive question mark on it. Um, but turn one and two are probably the slowest part of the entire circuit. They're really really tight, and again, not loads of runoff on the outside of one. Um, it's almost like a chicane. It kind of, it's kind of the reverse of the start of Monza. Almost, it's it's not that tight, but it's it's that type of configuration just flipped over. Um, and then you're into like a sort of a yeah, like a fifth, sixth, seventh gear sort of like twisty, turny part that has nine turns in it, but like it doesn't have nine turns in it. It feels like
0: oh a, yeah, so these turns are formalities. They're like <laughs> like yeah, they're just, just little like wiggles tr- that are you know they would be flat out.
1: There's a triple apex turn, but it's not, it's not, they're not like, I don't think they don't get to eight gear until they exit this section. Mm, okay. And then, and then they get down to one area, which people think there might be overtaking at. I think there might be a lot of crashes at is, or not a lot, but there might be some contact here, which is turn 13, which is banked. Um, it oh, a, is it? A, yes. It's a bank. It has a 12% banked gradient. Which I think is three times more than a lot of like uh, I think it was what was the last bank circle we had the um, Sandport oh Zanvort did I forget what Zanvort did I think it was Indianapolis they said had nine um so oh but it's weird because it has zero runoff on it uh on the outside so this thing could be a real yeah it might be like Zanvort where it's there's a little bit of action there, huh. but it's way it's bigger than Zambort's one. It's longer than Zambort's one, so maybe there will be overtaking. I'm not sure. This one is right on the edge of, like this track feels like it might work with next year's cars better than this year's cars. Is kind mm-hmm. of what the, the feeling I get, where you know ground effect and downforce. So there's actual chasing through turns as opposed to now where there's just too much wake turbulence. Um, but we'll see. Uh, th- then you're into a a triple DRS um, nightmare party. <laughs> Where there's uh, between the next fourteen turns, which again, they're not really fourteen turns, but it just sort of wiggles around like a, like a piece yeah. of spaghetti. These are the, on the ground.
0: These are the curviest DRS straights I've ever seen. Are they? And they're wild. It's like I look at this track
1: and I I don't understand it. So I've watched a lot of um, simulations of this as well, just to get an idea of what it'll be like. It's a really long lap. And it is fast. So I think it's going to be like demanding on them. So that's pretty cool, especially with all the different turns. Uh Turn 22 is interesting though. Or sorry, I should say, is it 22? Yeah, I think it's turn 22 into 23 is blind. It's <laughs> like a Monaco turn, but they take it at like eight gear. So, so it's Whoa. like, yeah, so it's, it's one that I was like, oh, this looks like, and it's kind of an
0: overtaking spot because it's... Can so of like that Singapore one that goes under the bridge?
1: A little bit because it does go under a, a hotel. Okay, at, at that part, but it's faster than that one. Like it's it's this one's proper fast, but it's blind. It's a blind left hander, and then you have to take take a right hander, and then you're into this sort of beautiful. It's like uh, there's water on either side. I guess it's the Red Sea on one side and like a lagoon or something. So it it looks. Quite awesome though. There's probably going to be some great like tracking shots over that whole thing. Uh, the Tilka, the company who make this, Tilka's company, reckon the turn ones and turn twenty-seven are the best for overtakes. Twenty-seven is the final turn of the track after the third actually after the second DRS zone. And then there is DRS also on the start Finish rate. So twenty-seven is kind of like a another good spot for an overtake, but then they can battle back on the on the next one. But I don't like this is one of these tracks where the scale of it throws me off t- entirely because when you look at the map, it looks like a, one of these slow little cities corners, but it's not. It's the fastest top speed of a street circuit. Um, I think it's uh, 308. Uh, oh, no, that's, that's the distance of it. I have it written down here somewhere. 300 kph or something. Is what they think? Mm-hmm. they're good. No, sorry. Three twenty-two is top, and the average speed is two fifty-two kilometers an hour. So
0: that's that's, that's fast. For that's a street really trip, fast. We're, we're not used to that. Yeah, that's two hundred miles an hour, and on fifty a laps. Circuit.
1: Yeah, and fifty lap race. Like fifty laps is on the lower end. You know what I mean? Spa's forty-four. Um, what's Monaco? Seventy-five, something like that. So it's, like, yeah, eighty-five,
0: eighty-nine. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> right.
1: So fifty is like it shows you how long the circuit is, but it is taken at speed. So I think it's going to be demanding on them. Uh, but I don't know, I cannot tell you which way this one's going to go. It's either going to be an absolute parade where nobody can overtake each other because this, the turns just keep getting in the way or it's not wide enough. It might be a safety car nightmare because there's just not enough um, room to clear cars out of the way. Also, this is going to be the first time it's there, so it's, you can't ask that all the marshals are going to be absolutely pro at this. This track's only been built, so they probably didn't have enough a lot of time to prepare, so Perhaps that's the element. I know we don't want to talk about the quality of marshals, especially given Christian Horner's comments about a month ago, but that was something I was thinking about. Um, The surface, as you mentioned, is a massive question mark on it. Um, And then, yeah, like how far, how close by the cars can uh, follow each other considering the turbulence behind them with the dirty air and the amount of like micro corners they have to take. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be wild. P1 is going to be interesting just to see what the surface is like and how the cars take some of these like at what speeds they take these turns? P two is gonna be very interesting once we get a lot of drivers out there at the same time and we start to see how it all shakes. Um, uh, it'll be interesting. So I don't know. This could very much come down to a qualification, a good quality lap, like you said. There's 27 turns, but you would argue that this circuit would favor straight line speeds just based on the way the turns are put together. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not there's not a lot of most of these turns are like you know, less than a hundred degrees, you know, they're not, they're not very, they're not big twisty ones. There's just lots of them. Um, my only hope is that it doesn't, we don't have some sort of farcical calamity race. Yeah. I mean, like we don't have a lot of big incidents or like somebody does something silly and takes out Lewis and then that, you know, and then no one can overtake and, he wins the race automatically, Max does. Um, we'll have to see. I was always worried about introducing a weird circuit, a new circuit this late in the season because it could have this effect. Um, but also this is one of the strangest. Like this is, it's it's not Vietnam level of weird, which looked like <laughs> the weirdest circuit I've ever seen. It was just like, it was like It looked tr- like a crop circle. Yeah, it looked like, yeah, exactly. It looked like a... It looked like a crab rangoon, one of those. You know, at the top where they pierce it, they they pull it up like that. It looked like that, like up, <laughs> like three different, like a triangle almost converging in the middle. This one is just this one is, I don't know. I don't want to be so negative on it because it could end up being an absolute classic because it's so bananas. Mm-hmm. And and to be honest, the, the craziest thing is the new circuit they're doing looks like it might have a flyover, which is even more bananas. Whoa. <laughs> um, I guess we have it in Japan, but like a really awesome looking one. I love it. Um, but uh we'll have to wait and see it's it, i i i am going to be watching practice like a hawk this is going to be if nothing else it's going to be a really interesting weekend
0: yeah well the conditions um between it looks like uh practice qualifying and the race all seem to be pretty similar um cool. it looks like about 28 degrees celsius or 82 uh fahrenheit Uh, during race time zero percent chance of rain yeah um and uh mild wind looks like about five miles an hour or eight kilometers an hour oh okay not bad kind of well maybe not perfect conditions probably a little warm for perfect conditions but uh, at least predictable conditions for everybody yeah i was i was
1: wondering with the red sea right there would there be like a bit more gusts coming in um but obviously not maybe it's a good time of year for it as well
0: perhaps uh shall we run down the driver standings danny Let's heading into it. this weekend max verstappen is on top as mentioned with 351.5 points eight points behind is lewis hamilton with 343.5 then we've got valtteri botas in third with 203 to sergio Perez 190 uh close battle between fifth place lando norris with 153 to Charles is 152, Carlos Sainz is in seventh place with 145 and a half. Daniel ricardo is in eighth with 105. Pierre Gasly in ninth with 92, and Fernando Alonso in tenth with 77. In eleventh is Esteban Ocon with 60. Sebastian Vettel has 43. Lance Stroll has 34. Yuki Sonoda has 20. George Russell in fifteenth place with 16 points. Kenny Räikkönen's in 16th with 10, then we've got Latifi with 7, Antonio Giovinazzi with 1, then Mick Schumacher, Robert Kubica and Nikita Mazepin with 0. 0. In constructor standings Mercedes is currently 4 points ahead of Man, Red Bull with 546 wild. to Red Bull's 541. Yes. Uh, we could see a different driver and a, di- you know, a, a driver and a team that are different winning the championships, which would be fun. Um, Ferrari's in third place with 297.5 to McLaren's 258. Uh, that was close. It's getting further. This is this is do or die for McLaren. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alpine's in fifth with 137. Alpha Tauri's got 112. Aston Martin has 77. Williams has 23. Alfa Romeo has 11. And Gene Haas and team have zero. Mm. So those... Maybe the final standings, except for those top two.
1: Yeah. We yeah. Shall something see. mad happens. But that, all you need, if nothing else, this season has not had a lot of like, like crazy, weird retirements for a lot of teams, like as is often the case later in, you know, a sort of power units, generational true. sort of timeline. Um, but this track is, this track could, there could be a real first lap disaster here True. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's one of those ones that they're going to be going very fast through very twisty corners it's uh, narrow it, too it's narrow it's there's it's, it has all that like if there was other drivers in the field i think the drivers are so good this year and we've shown even the rookies have been really good on on starts there hasn't been a lot of sloppy you know openings to a lot of races. It's been pretty good. But if there was ever one that was going to happen, it's this one. It's just, it's so twisty and weird and the overtaking areas right now are so opaque. It's or like unknown. It's like a gray area. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see how much it shakes out. And yeah, the first time I guess they'll be racing anywhere near each other is going to be cute. It's going to be the start of the race. So we'll have to wait and see. Even Landon Iris hadn't been in the sim at the end of the last race. You know, it's like, i'll have to say, uh i'm like I'm, I'm equally excited and like terrified i'm gonna be like looking with a smile on my face through my fingers
0: yeah you'd hate for this season it's been so great you'd hate to, for it to end on like an asterisk you know that's my that's my one little worry yeah. but you know we'll see uh if you'd like to join the standings yourself you can join our fantasy league using the link in the show notes get in the last two races uh, you can also hit us up via email, shiftf1 podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. What's going on in the email hopper this week, Daniel? Uh, first one
1: I just want to mention that James, who has been for years uh, on his SoundCloud page making compilations of all of the intros that you do in the various languages and dialects. He did a great one today. Um if you're a Saudi listener, by the way, let us know how he did. shift the at on Uh James just uh, hit us up uh, on the emails and on Twitter to say that he has uh, done the 2020 intro compilation. So if you want to check that out, it's all the intros in one audio file and, and check in on Drew's accents, head over <laughs> to soundcloud.com slash tall and proud. So soundcloud.com slash proud p-r-o-u-d there'll be a link i suspect in the notes show notes Mm -hmm. Uh, thank you very much james for doing that it's always a laugh when i get to listen to one of those and congratulations drew i can't believe you you understand what must be like 20 languages this
0: year (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's a lot bouncing around in my head but uh you know i'm pretty smart
1: yeah pretty pretty well-traveled man (laughs) um First question I'm going to take here from Charlie. Hi, guys. Love the podcast. Blah, blah, blah. I was looking. That's him writing that, not me. Sorry. And then Um, a winking
0: emoji. So we know that he's sarcastic. Oh, it must be Nicholas Satifi. (laughs)
1: That's the same emoji he used in his tweet. Thanks for emailing, Charlie. (laughs) I was looking at some images of the 2022 car spec, and obviously some of the most noticeable changes are the new front and rear wings. I was looking at the new rear wing, and it looks to be one continuous and rounded body part. It dawned on me that it doesn't look as though there will be any DRS next year. Is this the case? I'm aware that the intention of the new spec is to allow cars to follow more easily and therefore allow more organic overtakes. Surely... The more overtaking, the better. But could the unintended consequence be long DRS trains and simple passes on the straights? Uh, Whether we have DRS or not next year, do you think it should stay or go? So this was actually a really big point of contention with a lot of the teams back in sort of June, July when a lot of these specs came out. There was a lot of discussion, and most of the team principals seemed to suggest if they were asked about it that they would like DRS to stay, to stick around. And obviously the car that was rolled out, the sort of concept car, isn't necessarily, you know, the final one that the teams will work on. So DRS is still part of next year. You're allowed to have it. Um, It is suspected that all of the teams will have it. And then F1 are basically, the FAA or F1, whoever it is, are basically going to they're going to hope it's not needed, and if they see that there's enough organic overtaking happening without DRS, then it will be pulled back. But yes, next year they're it won't. It's not going like scrapped out. They're going to basically sort of do a bit of a halfway house on this one and kind of see if it's needed. Um, the format of the DRS will have, I believe, similar sort of specs to the ones they're given this year. Like it's not like they give them all a DRS wing. They have specifications, and the teams have to build their own. Uh, and make sure that they're in line with the specifications and we've seen how tight those specs can be as what happened with Mercedes in uh, at Interlagos. So, yes, there will be DRS next year. The hope is that it will be sort of trimmed out, you know, eased out uh, for the next season. Um but how the teams deploy that and I guess whether they do is also up in the air.
0: Uh, yeah, either the following season or the following specification, which I think the next big one comes around in 2025. Right. Um, I I could I could see DRS staying until at least until then. Um,
1: they can always reduce the amount of zones, like or, or, or the length of them. Yeah, or the size you know. of the
0: wing. You know, totally. There's um, lots
1: of ways you can mitigate it um, or ease it, and they've done it. And you can do that race by race. Like we have seen uh, sometimes where there's been not enough DRS passing in some years, where they have elongated the DRS zones in subsequent races. So it's something that they can also sort of tweak on the fly during the season
0: yeah um but yeah the the initial render car uh did make that confusing because there are no like actuator points um craig scarborough uh at scarbs tech on twitter um who does a lot of great technical drawings um uh replied to a question uh asking the same thing uh, with a drawing that i guess uh He did himself, uh, which I can link in the show notes that shows how a 2022 DRS wing might work. Right. Awesome. Uh, I posted it in the the Discord chat, Danny, if you want to take a look. Oh, yeah. Uh, Speaking of the 2022 regs, uh, should I take this next one? Yeah, go for it. It's kind of in the same vein. We got it uh, last week, though. I didn't get to it. Uh, Jeremy asks, much has been said about the new aero regs reducing the effect of dirty air in corners, but surely that will also reduce the tow effect on the straights. Will this make DRS even more important? Will there be more overtaking in the corners and less on the straights? Um, I mean, I'm no doctor. So <laughs> uh I don't know and I think a lot of this is up in the air but I imagine we would get the the theory would be that we, were, we would have more overtaking in corners because cars would be closer. Um but I don't I don't know that uh we would get fewer on the straights.
1: Right. Um, I, I I think one of the things that has come up and again like you said, this is a very big question mark for next year, but I think the hope was that if if they're not going to be overtaking on a lot of corners, at the very least cars can follow mm-hmm. so that they have a better chance on the next straight or like a shorter straight to 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 be able to make an overtake happen
0: right so if that if then the the toe is diminished, which I suppose would be the case because there's less you know stuff on your car pushing air out of the way. That may not, that may not result in fewer overtakes on the straights because the cars will also be closer. So this is the the balancing act that Ross Braun and team are trying to perform, um, and I'm very curious to see how well it works. Yeah, with the the
1: sort of reintroduction of a more powerful ground effect, which is for those who don't know, it's 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 the sort of the force. The, the forces at play that essentially suck the car to the ground, not because of aerodynamic downforce, but because of the the, the you you sort of understand how this works because of airplanes, right? Drew? It's a, it's a, what's the, what the, effect the venturi effect as well, right?
0: It's something it's like a pocket of air that's sort of well, stable it's a, yeah, air under under the car. You you want like if you look at the bottom of a, a Formula One car, there's all kinds of like ducks and chutes and stuff because they want to move air under it fast because they want the pressure below it to be lower so that it's it literally does suck it to the surface so with that it's sort of not that it negates a lot of this
1: stuff but it sort of cre- some of these other aspects that we have become familiar with in terms of the aerodynamic you know accessibility to the back of another car um they sort of become moot points at a certain stage because the mechanics of of car movement and following is so dramatically changed with that increased um, uh, ground effect, or at least we'll have to see because, you know, ground effect was something that F1 has litigated for and against in many different ways um, over the years, so yeah, it's going to be a real you know, especially when we're going to some strange circuits at the start of next year as well, we won't be able to do like-by-like, like side-by-side, like like, side. so um, same as to this week, there's a lot of question marks over it.
0: Yes, indeed uh Danny, next one is yours.
1: Yes, this one. Uh last email. I thought it was a good email to end this week's podcast on. This is from Majit Al Madani. Uh Majit says, Hello Danny, Drew, and Rob. Sorry, warm Rob is not here. A warm greeting from Jeddah. Saudi Arabia. I was born and raised in Jeddah and I'm absolutely excited to have a GP in my hometown, which will be an amazing opportunity to take my 8-year-old son and attend our first GP, especially with the championship going down to the wire. As a long-time Shift F1 listener, it's been a while since my last email to you guys and I wanted to share some details on the future plans for the Saudi GP and hear your thoughts. Currently, the Saudi GP is scheduled in Jeddah for only two races and the second race being at March 22nd, 2022. Then the GP is going to move to the, I believe it is Qadim yeah, speed park, uh, which looks interesting. Oh, there you go. In, yeah, I've put in some links. Have a have a look at some of these because this this looks like some future nonsense that I can get behind. <laughs> some of these, the the track um circuit uh, map of it, I thought was a joke, but it turns out it's not. Oh, oh my like, god! It has that flyover and there's like pictures of like. Uh, you know roller coasters and like a- a- aquariums going over the w- over the track in parts and there's a flyover and oh man i, it- it
0: I-, I just... will put this in the in the show notes cuz wow it does look like when they asked daniel ricardo to build his <laughs> dream circuit using parts of other circuits <laughs> yeah. what well, you this, thought you know, 27 this... turns was a lot this one has 34
1: so so they might cut that down for that we don't know but it's 34 and also like it looks like an f1 race stars circuit you remember that game where they like they sort of did like magical theatrical parodies almost of famous tracks like monza and stuff where they're just so colorful and there's so much shit going on at least that's what the concept pictures for this one look like so this is crazy (laughs) this this looks like speed racer is what this looks like that's yeah you've nailed it exactly um to continue, continue with Majid's email um, regarding the previous comments criticizing F1 for having Saudi slash Gulf GPs uh, I'd like to personally extend an invitation to Drew Danny Rob as well as my fellow Shift F1 listeners who are most welcome to visit Saudi Arabia for upcoming GPs to see the country and meet its people before passing judgment on issues affecting lots of host countries and not just my region to me this podcast is uh, the best F1 coverage out there for years and you will always have my sincere thanks and appreciation best regards Majid Al Madani, thank you very much for the message. Always nice to have messages from people like to see the other side of a of a of a of a of an issue, and it doesn't negate the the truths that people might have about not just. The, the race here at Jeddah but also like conversations we have had over the years about certainly Bahrain um uh, you know there was there was even a, a race that didn't happen there because of sort of how pe- people felt about the the situation there with laborers and stuff um but yeah it's always always great to hear insight from from someone else's perspective so thank you so much for sharing Majit if I would love to take you up on that offer hopefully in a time when there is a bit more travel <laughs> available yeah. around the world uh especially if it's that for that that cadilla one looks like it might be pretty fucking weird <laughs> i remember the first time i went to yasmarina or the only time i guess I, I was also like blown away by like oh wow they there's money here they're able to build some really fucking crazy things
0: yeah yeah i i <clears throat> thank you um majid i i really appreciate the email um I think it's really cool we have listeners in, in Saudi Arabia. And I'm very happy for you and all the other motorsports fans in the country and the region in general that you get to have some, some races nearby. Um, <clears throat> it's a good point about we have been focusing on uh, the Gulf region in our criticisms recently, I think, because we've added two tracks there. But you're right. There are a lot of other countries uh, that we could point to. And we have in the past, um, you know, like, I don't know, China, China. Um, but I think it's so, important. Sochi was another. Oh, yes.
1: One where, because the, it was a lot of, uh, um, especially in the World Cup stuff, there was a lot of, you know, uh, issues there. Very and of course, similar, yeah. as as, an, as a new American, I'm am always very, and as a born European, I'm always very conscious of um, giving America a pass on things like this, considering their foreign policy and sort of. Uh, recent history of colonialism in this exact area (laughs) so uh but yeah exactly i i think you're right there is a lot of uh, there it has been on the tip of our tongue with regards to this part of the world more recently because it's just we've been expanding here
0: yeah and i i think it's important to make a distinction between the people of a country and the leadership which is really what i'm criticizing um i would absolutely love to meet the people of saudi arabia but I would also maybe expect that doing so would only frustrate me further. I've, I've been fortunate to have traveled to some places with similarly problematic governments and found that right. the people there are like people anywhere else, you know, um, and in general, extremely warm and welcoming, which makes it harder for me to accept when their governments betray them. Yeah. Um, but things can change. And to hear Stefano Domenicali say it, you know, F1 is going to be a force for good in the region, which would be great. But I think that only happens if we shine a light on what needs to change, rather than assuming, you know, if F one is there, then it's already fixed. Um, which I know, um, at least uh, in our in our society, is kind of the the knee jerk feeling, right? Like ah, it's it's fine. Um, yeah, it's the, the Olympics effect. It's like it's
1: it's it's like the West. It's like the nor- the northern hemisphere and the west deciding that this is now part of the conversation. You know what I mean? If if you yeah. get in the Olympics, or you get a world cup then, then you're part of the crew then. Then nothing bad happens there and you're one of the good guys. It's like it's so it's this right. again the way cartoonish that, like, reduction of, of geopolitics and culture that just, you know, it's very easy to understand but it's like it's it's so disconnected from reality.
0: Right. Like in, in the way that uh, I think it's this is no longer true. I don't think this is any longer true, but um, they used to say that any, any two countries with a McDonald's have never gone to war with each other. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, gotcha.
1: but, yeah, that, it, that should be a rule because then we could just, <laughs> you know, McDonald could be the, the force of for change in the that UN. unites us all. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, you know, who knows? In a few years, I may be pleasantly surprised. I hope so. Um, but I, I do really appreciate the email. Thank you.
1: I was I was also reading up. You sent me a great link before we started um and I was doing a lot of research about this track. Just got to kind of see and like I'm trying to read through the bullshit because a lot of it was like them talking about the fast speeds, fast speeds, fast speeds which I think was a way of a maybe sign. saying yeah, it's like uh <laughs> there's no overtaking or oh we hope no one crashes. Um but uh, one of the things they're also talking about which I hope is true is that it looks like it's going to there's going to be quite a lot of fans have access to this. It is a street circuit, but because of the amount of turns um and also because they're adding I think they're adding like Free areas or something where like families can come and like hang out for a while, like beso- like these sort of like parks. You get a lot of these in, and I mean, I've only ever been to um, Abu Dhabi and um, uh, Dubai, but uh, you sometimes get, especially this time of year, where you can actually go outside these sort of like open parks where people can sort of hang out and converge. So apparently, they're doing some of that around this temporary uh, stadium. Um, I also don't know if they're keeping much of the stadium up for the intervening month. I, I suspect these are still r- normal roads, and they can't, but that's that's also a question. But I feel like w- w- we will all have a, a different opinion, or we'll have an opinion on this race this time next week. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, whether or not it's uh, strong
0: or not, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, yeah, if you'd like to send us an email, you can do so at shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or through the website f slash emails. Uh, we're also on Twitter at shiftf1podcast. I am at Drew Scanlon, that is at Danny O'Dwyer, and Rob Zachney is at Rob Zachney. That's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world, Danny? Let's raise around the world. Hey, hey, oh, yeah. Getting down to it. In terms of racing seasons, uh, we do have some racing this weekend. Formula Two is joining Formula One in Jeddah. Um, the Motocross Grand Prix of Indonesia is on Sunday in Bali, and we've got supercars at the Mount Panorama Motor Racing Circuit for the Bathurst One Thousand. Oh my God, it's on! Awesome. It is. This is a this is a fun this is a fun race. Yeah, it's at a weird time check your local listings. it certainly is because it's in australia um but as uh, as we like to mention um all our aussie listeners are like f1's at a weird time every week your yeah, baby <laughs> as we like to mention uh if you're looking for stuff to watch in the off season one of my favorites is supercars um and they often discount the previous season uh for their subscription service oh, yeah so if you're looking for some uh some quality racing for a discounted price supercars would probably be uh, uh one to yes consider. S-
1: similarly as you have also mentioned in the past many times MotoGP oh, should yeah. be doing something similar over the over the break so yeah it's good time good time to dive back into the catalog
0: yes formula one is also happening this weekend maybe you've heard of it friday things kick off um what is that december 3rd i forgot to put the dates down um <laughs> free practice one starts at 8 30 a.m eastern time on espn you followed by Free Practice 2 at 12 noon on ESPN 2. Saturday, December 4th, Free Practice 3 kicks off at 9 a.m. on ESPN 2, followed by Qualifying at 12 noon on ESPN News. And the race, everyone, Sunday, (laughs) December 5th at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN 2. The Deuce! I might have forgotten
1: to mention perhaps the most important part of the track walk. This will be a night race, (laughs) just in case you're wondering (laughs) why it's on at such a later time. Uh, Yes, they have some tens of thousands of light bulbs uh, set up around the track. It will be like, uh, you know, Yasmarina or like Bahrain. It'll be a night race. Um, Practice is happening at sundown. But uh, yeah, otherwise, it's a night race.
0: Night race. Yeah, 8 p.m. local, I think.
1: Nice for That's for practice two
0: qualifying in the
1: race. That's probably. I wonder what sunset is there because it's fairly close to the equator, right? I don't know how far mm. down it is. It's not as far south as as uh. You've got a map somewhere in that I room, right? Did. I, th- I think yeah. Mecca is south of it, if I'm right. So I, yeah. I think it's not it's not all the way down the the peninsula there on the what was, it, what was it, the southwestern side of of the Arabian Peninsula. We're used to being on the eastern side. I wonder. Yeah, it might be, maybe it's a little bit later in the day. Because right now I was talking to my, I've been interviewing people in Scotland a lot recently for this, we're doing a documentary on Grand Theft Auto and it's like dark there at three (laughs) o'clock. So I think four o'clock, they're all like, they're all like, ugh, I'm calling them up and it's already nighttime there. Uh, So yeah, anyway, night
0: race, night race. Uh, All right, well, um, if those are your final thoughts, Danny. That's it. We can... I big
1: question mark. I'm. I'm. What am I? I'm not. I'm not. Am I cautiously pessimistic? I'm not sure. I, I'm. I'm waiting to be surprised. But I'm not quite sure if that's a good surprise or a bad surprise. Yeah. It's going to be a really. It's going to be one of the most interesting race weekends in a while. While they try and figure out this very different circuit. Uh.
0: Well, according to the internet, civil twilight in Jeddah is 6 p.m.
1: Okay, that's that's pretty late for you know, northern hemisphere winter, right? Six.
0: So that's like gonna be a star That's gonna be a dark race. That is not an yeah. evening to night. That is no. That's a. night nighttime. What,
1: what time was local time for the practice sessions? Eight thirty
0: our time. Um, it, well, for free practice two, it'll be same. It'll be eight p.m. Uh, 8 p.m. Qualifying eight p.m. Race eight thirty p.m. So it's going to be dark,
1: right? Yeah, but that means free practice one will still be basically at sunset. So the sun will just be setting while they're starting FP one. Uh, sounds
0: like
1: because it's four hours earlier. Four so hours oh earlier. No, oh no, no, I guess so that'll be that'll be a bit. And that'll be, It'll be going down. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah. yes very excited to see how this goes um if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official shift f1 discord you can do so at patreon.com shiftf one have a good race weekend everyone we will see you all next week
1: one question do you think we'll have a new champion by the time we talk next week
0: no no yeah.